0: If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or just keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So, why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why you should go to My Bookie. Fast, easy, and they pay when you win. What does Mr. X always say? Winning is nice, getting paid, even nicer. Let's face it, where you're betting online is just as important as who you're betting on. Listen, I wouldn't put my name attach these guys if they weren't good and if people didn't get paid. Do the smart thing and get with my bookie. Have an account there just in case. You probably already have an account somewhere else. That's fine. Who doesn't have multiple accounts? Have an account with my bookie. Take advantage of their bonuses. Check out all the other things you can do with my bookie. All the other ways you can bet and the other games they have there and have fun with it, okay? Did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? Yes, you can. Who doesn't want to fire in a second-half bet to make up for your stupid idea on the first half? If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little, win a lot, try parlays. If all your picks come through, multiply your winnings. It's that simple. Well, it's not that simple, but still. Fire in some parlays, man. It's football season. Have fun. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. Double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Go to MyBookie.ag today. You play. You win. You do get paid. Today on the ZABEcast, former CBS game analyst and Notre Dame quarterback Steve Berlonk talks college football the kyler murray experiment and his andrew luck tweet that shook up the internet happy birthday espn the dan and keith legacy and espn the body issue am i a weirdo for being fascinated by it your bonus 40 minutes of gloriously uncensored me is locked and loaded so buckle up and let's go here we go September 5th 2019 thank you for downloading and welcome to the NFL 2019 tonight Packers Bears 100th anniversary season of the National Football League it is glorious if you haven't already brush up on the history of the Packers and the Bears and the franchises and how they began and how this rivalry started and just how prehistoric 100 years of progress looks like. It's amazing. Aaron Rodgers versus Mitch Trubisky. Fresh-faced Matt LaFleur versus intense Matt Nagy. You've got an iconic field at Soldier Field, which has been kind of ruined by this modern edition, but it is what it is. And you've got two franchises that are in very close proximity whose fan bases clash and rub against each other in the, what, 90-some-odd miles? Well, Milwaukee is closer. You've got to go all the way up to Green Bay. That's another two hours. It's close enough. Can't beat this on a Thursday night to open the 2019 season. Bears minus three. My official take is I got the Bears minus. Sorry. I know. What do you want me to do? Pick the Packers? Hey, I thought you were like a Packer fan now, sort of, because you're doing this new show. Well, yeah, I am a Packer fan, and I'm, of course I'll be rooting my ass off for them. We're going to be hosting a VIP party here in the iHeart Megaplex. But that said, my realistic brain says it's a tough spot. Tough spot to win. Laying only three? I'll do it. Okay, let's get right into it. Some of the stories from Wednesday into Thursday. Tuesday night, the Nationals came back against the Mets in unbelievable fashion. Seven runs in the ninth inning for the Nats to win it uh, in the ninth after losing a five-run lead. They give up six, blow a five-run lead, then score seven to win the game. That is either the most exciting, amazing, thrilling baseball ever, or it is completely craptastic, horrible baseball. I'll let you choose which one's which. It really wasn't a rally spurred by a lot of errors. Just pitchers couldn't get guys out. And, of course, home runs keep flying out of the park. Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, his 45th home run of the year, uh, major league leading. Guy's good, but it has been the summer of home runs. And then, of course, the Nats and the Mets turn around. They play a day game on Getaway Day on Wednesday on YouTube. Now, I'm not against YouTube. I'm on it a lot watching stupid camera reviews. And I like the creativity. Someday, maybe I'll have my own YouTube channel. I mean, I've technically got a YouTube account and a quote channel, but it's none of my original content, basically. So I like YouTube. I just don't know if I like my sports on YouTube. I know a number of you have cut the cord and you get YouTube Premium or YouTube Streaming or YouTube Red or YouTube Sports, whatever the the brand is or whatever the category is that gives you live sports. That's great, but I don't know. I don't know if it's for me. ESP on the body issue is out, and I couldn't stop looking at it today because it just fascinates me. They had a soccer player whose name I've already forgotten, who was not one of the three or four marketed stars during the World Cup run. She looks quite lovely and athletic uh, with a nice front court, which many soccer players don't have. Not that there's a big deal with that, big problem with that, but okay. Christian Jelic, NL MVP, Brewer, is in there. He's 6'4", 195, tall. Lean, athletic drink of water, that guy. Miles Garrett, the defensive end monster for the Cleveland Browns. He looks like an Adonis. The entire Eagles O-line is in there, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, You've got Nancy Lieberman, former WNBA player. Well, actually, not really WNBA player. She was a very good women's basketball player that got limited tryouts on men's teams back when she came out of college. She was one of the first women who had enough handle enough sass enough quickness to hang with the men when she was younger well she's 61 now and she did play in the wnba at a very old age she's like the oldest player to play in the w uh, maybe she was in her 50s she's 61 now unbelievable body at 61 she has a six-pack set of abs that like you must be taking growth hormone she also has 61 year old Skin, which is weird on a body that looks like a 22-year-old. But, again, this is why the body issue fascinates me. And I love the creativity of the shots. And I love the fact that a lot of big-name athletes go ahead and go for it. They realize, hey, this this takes a, a bit of guts to do this. Oh, yeah, Brooks Koepka, a golfer, I guess, is in there. He looks good. He looks athletic. No wonder why he starved himself during the early part of the PGA Tour schedule, was not making any real headway, was not really in any, I think he was making cuts, but he wasn't contending. And then right before the Masters, it came out like, yeah, he was on this special diet for the body issue to get all ripped and lean and cut. And we're like, you idiot. Then he goes out and almost wins the Masters. Then he goes out and crushes the field in the PGA. Then he goes out and almost kind of hangs in there, maybe sort of almost wins the, uh british open oh and then the u.s open i'm sorry u.s open was next and he was right there had a chance final couple holes doesn't quite get it done had a hell of a year naked body issue tastefully done though no junk shots i just i can't stand i can't stop looking at it. it's fascinating to me antonio brown's unhappy with the raiders still yeah the fines keep piling up for him and you know he missed a walk through walk around and he got this letter from Mike Mayock, and he put it on Instagram and complained about it with some gibberish about the devil is a lie, and now y'all going to have to pay, and now we know. And it's like, Jesus, what is wrong with you, man? Raiders are going to nickel and dime them, though. They're going to say, look, uh, we're playing it by the book. We'll see if it uh, calms down during the season or gets worse. I'm going to put a nice stack of chips on gets worse. I mentioned ESPN turned 40 years old this week. The Ringer and Brian Curtis did a long piece about Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann, the two anchors of the big show. And they talk about the impact of that show and those two personalities on ESPN during its formative years and what the show meant and how it was. According to Van Pelt, who currently does the best version of SportsCenter there is, at least in this day and age, Van Pelt said that they were doing a show that kind of mocked a highlight show while doing a highlight show very well. I'm not so sure I felt like they were ever mocking it, but as Brian Curtis says, Patrick and Olbermann took a low art form doing highlights, wrested it away from the howling champ kinds of local news, and And injected into it quotes from Ralph Waldo Emerson, Monty Python, Johnny Most, and others. They became one-name, Beatles-like categories. For a time, every wannabe sportscaster was a purring, FM-quality Dan or a transgressive, scenery-chewing Keith. I look back at those years as vintage ESPN, the best ESPN ever was. And when I look back and see the clips, the first thing I am is horrified at the low quality of standard definition and the unfortunate four-by-three aspect ratio. But once I get over that, the warm, nostalgic feelings wash over me and I say, man, that was when ESPN was something. I also say to myself, but wait a minute. How do you know it's not just you worshiping the years that Dan and Keith were on the big show? 1992 to 1997. As I look back, that really was The sweet spot of my life. Not that my life is bad now. Not that I'm not grateful every day. I'm doing great. Fine. But 92 to 97. I graduated in 1990. uh, Stuck around for one more semester to mop up some credits. So we're talking around 90, 91. And then I got married in 1996. So those were heady days for me. And ESPN was a constant in my life. As it was for any sports fan you had to watch sport center because if you miss sport center guess what you were out of luck of course the internet's changed all that and now i look at espn and i think you got a long way to go to win my trust back because being an honest broker of sports and what matters has been greatly damaged by the john skipper era and by the fact that espn for this good chunk of the last 10 years decided to go away from the joy and the wonder of sports and instead focus on the injustices and the agendas. And the only guy now that can do these kind of life matters subjects that are off of the true box scores and highlights is, is SVP and he does it very well with his one big thing. He does it in a way in which he is never coming off as a haughty scold while relaying something that is of strong personal feeling in his life and in life and in general. And even now that ESPN has become more non-political, all of their issues, all their decisions sometimes come with suspicion, like the pushing of the NBA as their house league because they're so invested monetarily in it is a bit much for many of us to take. I got nothing against the NBA, but they shove it down our throats. And, of course, they suppress some properties like the NHL, maybe with good reason because it is a niche sport, but also because they've got no financial interest in it. ESPN also does a lot of chasing of clickbait TV with all their yelling shows, and they promote a lot of nonsense, which still hurts their credibility. But they've got good sports center anchors like John Anderson that do a good job, and I enjoy watching the product now, again, after kind of a long while in which I said, I can't, I won't. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or just keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So, why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why you should go to my bookie. Fast, easy, and they pay when you win. What does Mr. X always say? Winning is nice, getting paid, even nicer. Let's face it, where you're betting online is just as important as who you're betting on. Listen, I wouldn't put my name attached to these guys if they weren't good and if people didn't get paid. Do the smart thing and get with my bookie. Have an account there just in case. You probably already have an account somewhere else. That's fine. Who doesn't have multiple accounts? Have an account with my bookie. Take advantage of their bonuses. Check out all the other things you can do with my bookie. all the other ways you can bet and the other games they have there, and have fun with it, okay? Did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? Yes, you can. Who doesn't want to fire in a second-half bet to make up for your stupid idea on the first half? If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little, win a lot, try parlays. If all your picks come through, multiply your winnings. It's that simple. Well, it's not that simple, but still. Fire in some parlays, man. It's football season. Have fun. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right, double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo, to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Go to MyBookie.ag today. You play. You win. You do get paid. All right. Steve Berline was kind enough to give us about 25 minutes, and I brought on a special guest for Mr. Berline to tell a genuine story from a Notre Dame football game that, shocker, turned out to be true. Well, look, I'm going to start out by bringing on a very special guest who you don't know, Steve Berline. He is a radio colleague of mine, Kevin Brandt, KB, here in Milwaukee, Uh who heard that I was going to interview you today and he comes up to me and he's like oh, who's got steve berline stories this guy does right kb oh, this, this guy oh, does on. yeah this guy does you you have been I, a, do, I
1: actually do have a
0: steve berline story first Just of a, all KB's a random
1: a, steve berline story kb's been a notre dame wow. fan his whole life right my grandfather okay. played for newt rockney my dad played baseball there so you know Love i've got it. a long Love history it. okay here we go so i tell zabe it was going back. It's got to be 12, 13 years ago, maybe even farther. Uh, Notre Dame's playing UCLA at home. And it's the yeah. game where Brady Quinn hits Samarja yeah. with, about like 10 seconds left. Now.
2: I remember well. Yeah, I was to... <laughs> well, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, you oh, didn't oh, see oh, yeah. the play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hold on. Because Don't
1: ruin the punchline. Uh, a, a bunch of buddies of my, uh, mine and I used to fly in, and you have to get to the airport to get out. We thought the game was in. UCLA's hands, no big deal. We walk out. All of a sudden, we hear a cheer. Arms are up in the stadium. Something happened, right? So I walk up to the first F- SUV that I see, who's listening to the radio, and I tap the shoulder, and I said, hey, did Notre Dame just score? And who turns around? Steve Burline. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at you. I just remember looking at you and going, I don't feel so bad about leaving. <laughs> you played quarterback here, and you thought the game was over. True story, uh, Steve. I,
2: very, a, a very true story. In fact uh, I can uh, I can take it a step further and uh, just just say that uh, my my kids were very young at that point, and. Uh, we were getting hammered pretty good uh, in that at the end of the first half, and my kids were at the point where they were just like, "Can we just go walk around campus?" And so we took off at halftime and were just walking around campus for for most of the second half of that game. And then uh, same thing that that KB is talking about. I heard that roar, wow, um, and, I, and I just happened to be you know kind of trying to figure out what was going on because I knew something big had happened. But yeah. I was out in the parking lot with my kids, yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well now that I got two domers on, one last question. So what do you guys make of Feinbaum saying the other night? Notre Dame shouldn't be allowed into the playoff anymore because of the whole they're not in a conference and they, they're never competitive when they get in. I'll defer well, to the former quarterback. <laughs> I mean those are yeah. fight those are fighting words. I mean, come well, are on. we on right now, or are we <laughs> yeah, just getting are on. Going? No, we're, we're on. Okay. Yeah, we Well, this is this is podcast too, so you can get a little bit saucy on it as well. But go ahead. Yeah. Well,
2: the um, I get the argument for sure, but uh, the the bottom line is that when every team in front of you loses, like it happened last year and like it happened in 2012, what are you going to do? Exclude them? Uh, I mean, they 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 the, the schedule some years plays softer than it should, like last year. I think last year was a soft schedule. You know, the Virginia Tech and Stanford and Florida State and all these teams at uh, USC that were supposed to be pretty good were very average teams. Um, So we end up going through the season unscathed and everybody in front of us loses. What what, what are you going to say? They can't play in the playoffs? That that doesn't make any sense. And uh, the schedule they play is more than uh, comparable with all the top teams in the country. And and if you get through that schedule with one loss or less, I, I don't think you can keep them out. And they, and it's, it's such a big draw, people. You know, are, whether you love them or hate them, everybody cares about Notre Dame. And uh, they're gonna they're gonna bring a a, a profile to that playoffs that people are gonna be passionate about it one way or the other. So I don't know how you exclude them. Now, at the same time, I haven't thought either in 2012 or last year that we were really one of the top four teams in the country. I thought we were top ten, but I did not feel good going into the playoffs last year or in 2012. I thought we were going to get hammered in both those games, and we did. So, uh, And we haven't won uh, a big bowl game. We're all all for our last eight. So uh, we have not shown up for the big game. That's the one knock on Brian Kelly. So uh, I see where the haters are coming from, but uh, at the same time, I, I don't know how you keep them out.
1: Well, if, if you have a, a pipeline to Brian Kelly, if you could just send a message, and uh, don't ever wear the green. The green only worked once. You don't like that, huh? They keep matching <laughs> it only, that button. It only worked once.
0: Right. Oh, no, no, it worked twice. Okay. Oh, twice. okay.
2: It worked my freshman year at Notre Dame. Jerry Faust had us come out uh, against USC in the green.
0: Wait, wait, one of uh, so, these one of these years, you'll roll out an alt black where you can't even see the fucking numbers, and everyone will lose <laughs> their mind. Like these other programs, like Louisville's horrible uniforms. I'm like, oh my god, Notre Dame has lost their mind. Although last no, year's if, if, <laughs> last if, if year's if happened,
1: throwbacks were awesome. They were, you know,
2: and they, you know, they, they, there's there's people, you know, with the Shamrock Series uniforms, they break out every year. There, a lot of the Notre Dame traditionalists are are really upset with where those things go and all that kind of, if you were to break out in all black uniform, I think there'd be, (laughs) there'd be, uh, you know, there'd be some rioting going on, but uh, I I think it's good uh, for, for the current, uh, you know, uh, younger generation of millennials and younger that uh, you, you stay current you stay, you know,
0: you kind of have to, cool. don't you? You have to. It's, you, I mean, it's a to, real man. recruiting disadvantage in is, today's day and age.
2: They look for that flash and the, uh, the, the the excitement that goes along with that. And, you know, the shinier helmets now, everything is, is totally different than what it was back in the day. But I'm okay with it as long as they keep it clean and, and you know, don't get too caught up in the crazy stuff other uh, than once a year.
0: Did you like the cathedral helmet, Steve?
2: I, you know what? I can't even say that I recall the cathedral. Hounder. How about the so big? I'm, how about
0: the big ND one that they had? Gold yeah, with the big you, ND on the side. I don't know what the years they are. I'm just image I, searching I get, them right now. I get confused, and I,
2: I mean what, the, the the pinstripe they wore. The last Yankees year. Was how'd cool. you feel about the Yankee? One. I thought they
1: were pretty cool, Cause but, but only because the Yankees are so historical. It's a mashup, is right. what it is.
2: It, that's exactly what it is, and it did yeah. not look like a Notre Dame uniform at all. <laughs> Um, and there were people that were kind of up in arms about it. but yeah, uh, Once a
0: year. Once a year, what do you Yeah, do? once
2: a year I'm okay with it.
0: Well, look, bottom line is this, and then we'll say goodbye to KB. Bottom line is last year uh, Clemson beat Alabama by 28. They beat Notre Dame by 27. So are they really not that competitive? There's certain teams that separate every year, and then they just separate. And so it doesn't well, really matter who the fourth one is.
2: Well, I agree with that to an extent, um, although I do think even despite what happened in the bowl games, um, I do believe that at the end of the year, Georgia and Michigan uh, and Ohio State were probably better uh, better teams in Notre Dame. Yeah,
0: probably, um, but you don't yeah. know. It's. I think it's you hard don't know. to you don't know, know, Steve. But what college. I can
2: tell you is this, and I do know this, uh, Steve, and that is that I know for a fact. And this this gets Notre Dame people mad because uh, it's kinda like my Andrew Luck comment, you know, that I made a few weeks ago on Twitter oh, yeah. that got all the attention. But but Dabo Sweeney was not worried about Notre Dame. He he knew that they could line up and beat Notre Dame because Notre Dame wasn't a top four team in the country. They they were preparing the whole month of December for Alabama and they were ready to go and use that stuff if they needed it in the Notre Dame game. But Dabo said, we're going to keep it basic. We're going to wear them down. We're deeper than they are. We're going to just keep it as as basic as we can and not show as much as we can. And they beat Notre Dame handily. And then they went into Alabama and they said, okay, now we're going to let it all hang out. And so they were preparing for Alabama for a month. And Nick Saban had no idea what was coming at him. I still think... If, they, if those two teams play ten times, I think at most Clemson will win six. I think it would be more of a 50-50 split. You give Nick Saban a couple weeks to get back at Dabo Sweeney, I guarantee you the results so, will be different.
0: So you think Dabo caught Nick off guard?
2: I do. I think, I think that he had the luxury of being able to prepare for Alabama the whole month of December. And I think that, that, that they used that to their advantage and ended up – uh, throwing a bunch of stuff out there that Nick Saban had never seen before,
0: right? And showed and, and showed none of it against Notre Dame because no, no. no to, how else
2: can yeah. you explain guys running open like they were against I Alabama?
0: Do, it shocked everybody. I mean, shocked the, everybody. the formations and the
2: personnel groups were things that Alabama had not prepared for, and uh, because they hadn't seen it. And so uh, you give credit to Dabo and his staff for, for for being able to pull that off. But I think that the the luxury they had was that they knew they were physically just better than Notre Dame.
1: Well, all I know is that the Dodgers are running away with the NL West, and I saw a sign at Dodger Stadium that said, we want Clemson. So that's, that's all you need to know. <laughs>
2: well, I'm a huge diehard Dodger fan, and I'm, uh, I'm praying that this is our year. The last couple of years have been tough, uh, ending the way they did. and You know, end of the year right now, uh, Kershaw has been struggling the last couple starts um i think it could be another good wake-up call for our guys and lost three in a row last week so um you know we don't want to lose the momentum but at the same time i think a little stumble late in the year sometimes can wake you up so i'm hoping that's the case
0: all right kb next time you bump into joe theisman at (laughs) a tailgate let us know otherwise we'll let you go
1: all right thanks nice talking to you steve Steve. all right right,
0: take care all right let's take steve let's turn you and i to the nfl And to me, the best story going for this year, in my opinion, is the Kyler Murray experiment in Arizona. What is your early thought, having not, you know, they've kept it under wraps. Kingsbury's kept it under wraps. What's your early thought as to how it may go?
2: Well, so I I was not a believer that Kyler Murray should be the first pick in the draft. Um, I thought there were too many questions uh, around his height and uh, and how that was going to translate at this level, and his his skill set and there's no doubt that he's an incredible athlete and that he's uh, he can throw the football um, and, and make most if not all of the throws, uh, but the question marks to me w- were significant enough to where I would not have been able to justify making that pick. I would have I would have gone with a, 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 a you know much different mentality and I can't remember thinking back now what the other options were in terms of who could have been the first pick, but I am a, a Rosen fan. I think that Rosen uh, put through what he was put through last year. Uh I, I don't think anybody could have done much better than what he did, and I do think he's going to turn out to be a really good pro, and they had invested a, a very high pick in him the year before. So I, I think it was a gamble that they didn't need to take. Uh, having said that, you know I hope the kid ends up having a great career. I, I like him. I think he's a special, unique talent. I just am not convinced that it can translate uh, over over time consistently. That he can produce the way that a first first pick in the draft and needs to produce
0: and then in baltimore we'll have lamar jackson for the whole season or as long as he lasts some mm-hmm. are saying there's it's going to be echoes of rg3 others are saying no this time it'll be different what's your feel there
2: well I, I think that uh lamar jackson is a is a guy that um i i would expect him to take a little bit of a jump this year um uh, in 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 terms of what they asked him to do throwing the football and showing that he's going to be able to evolve and develop and mature as a passer. Uh, you, you're not, he's not going to hold up and, and they're not going to be able to win no matter how good their defense is. Uh, as the season goes along and you get in those big games in the playoffs, if you can't, uh, move the ball, you know, through the air consistently. And so he's got to make that step. I do think that, they, that he will make a significant step this year. Uh, I think he wants to prove everybody wrong. I think he has a lot of um, examples of guys he can draw on that have had success as, as a rookie. And then, for whatever the reason, RG3, who's now his backup, um, uh, Colin Kaepernick, these guys that had success their first year playing. And then, all of a sudden, I think they kind of got comfortable and started feeling like they had arrived. And all of a sudden, next year, teams are better prepared for them. They hit them right in the mouth and that they can't ever recover from that. I think Lamar Jackson will will have people in his ear telling him, you cannot allow this to happen to you. You Mm -hmm. can't get comfortable. You've got to go out and prove yourself every single week and show that you're going to make that progress. And uh, Hopefully it'll be a great story as it goes along.
0: And then in the NFC East we've got Daniel Jones in New York who had a great-looking preseason, for what it's worth, and you had Dwayne Haskins with the Redskins who played a fair amount, didn't look as good, and is not going to start the season. Neither is Jones, but it seems like Jones might be more ready to get in there. Do you believe, Steve, you can ruin a quarterback if you throw him to the Wolves and just start him? Because a number of my Redskin fans are saying, what do we got to lose by starting Haskins week one?
2: Well, what you got to lose is you're, you're, you're generally speaking, going to go through a lot of growing pains uh, with a rookie quarterback on an average football team and uh the I think you can make a case both ways. I've always been a believer that if you have the luxury of having a veteran quarterback who has played and shown that he can be competitive and win you let that guy go first and you let the the young guy uh learn and develop and mature without the pressure on him going into that first season I think the results always end up panning out a little bit better in those situations. There aren't many cases where uh, a high-profile quarterback uh, sat and had to wait a little while before he got his time to play where it didn't end up materializing uh, in the long run. So um, I I do think that different guys are ready at different points from a maturity standpoint, but I think if you have the luxury of letting a young player sit, uh, if I'm a head coach, I'm going to take that Uh, opportunity every single time even if it only gets you through half the season right you say we're going to give case keenum half a year to see what we can do if we're four and four or better we're going to stick with case keenum until we fall out of the playoff hunt uh we owe that to the team we owe it to the veterans to give them a chance to see if we can compete uh if we fall out of playoff contention then we got to go to the rookie and get him some experience
0: so in other words you may not break a guy automatically throwing him in but waiting is always a little bit better like you're not going to hurt yourself by waiting just a bit
2: I agree with that 100% if you have a viable starting option as both Eli Manning and Keith Keena and uh, I'm really hoping that Eli can keep Jones on the bench uh, for for this whole season and I think the Giants will be better because of that if that is the case, that means they're having a good year with Eli and it means that Jones is not going to be thrown out there and and forced to uh, develop at that 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 rate, that I think a lot of teams would rather have them be able to come along a little bit more slowly.
0: Yeah. Finally, do you regret the luck, do you regret the luck tweet? I don't even remember the specifics. I remember seeing it, and I said that's a fair comment. That's a fair criticism. But you know, on Twitter, uh, any fair criticism that may run counter to the prevailing mob gets savaged. So, what yeah. what is your aftermath thought about how that all went down?
2: Well, I don't regret it at all. I, I, I think I'm 100% right with what I was saying. The people that were attacking me and it got pretty brutal, but I, I thank goodness I have a thick skin and uh, I've had people telling me I, I suck for a lot of years anyway, so it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't hurt me. Uh, what I you know I'm not uh, an overly active Twitter guy, um, and so what I do is sometimes I let my emotions get involved and I respond some of these people, and really I shouldn't even right. give them the, the, the satisfaction of responding, sure. but uh, the bottom line is the people that were jumping on my case were people that were not getting my point. My point was not that Andrew Luck uh, uh, you know, sh- shouldn't retire right now if he doesn't feel like he wants to play anymore. My, my point was if he wants to retire, retire after the previous season or retire after the next season. You can't retire timing-wise, right before the season starts and, and put your organization through all the chaos and the distractions that they've had to go through the last few weeks because of this. I think you you have to step back and say, number one, he came out and admitted that he'd only been thinking about it for 10 days. He said, last 10 days I've been thinking about it. And I I think at that point you say, Coach, put me on injury reserve. Uh, let me get away for a little bit, uh, a month. I'm going to be out for two months. And my foot isn't ready yet, my leg. Uh, my head's messed up. I'm thinking about retiring. I don't want to go public with it yet. Let me just get away for a month and see where I feel in 30 days. See you how know, I feel. And then you get into the season, and the Dakoda Brissett is playing well, and things are going fine. It's not as big of a deal. And and uh, the organization, I think, is not thrown into the chaos that it's thrown into. Where now they have to negotiate a new contract for Dakoda Brissett. They got to try to boost his confidence and make everybody believe that they believe in him as a starting quarterback. You know, it's just a distraction that I think could have been avoided by Andrew Luck stepping back and just saying, hey, wait a minute. What's the best way to handle this for the team and for the organization? Uh, I'm going to be uh, – he, he broke my heart. I mean, I was emotional because I had a man crush. I always have had a man crush on Andrew Luck. I, as a quarterback and as a person, I'm just like, yeah. this dude is the prototype, and I love watching him play and I knew he was going to come back this year and have a great year and give him a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And then he announces right before the beginning of the season that he's retiring. I was like, you can't do that to people. And you can't do that to to your organization. And um, I I, think it could have been handled better.
0: I I agree in that, and I made this point on my radio shows. I said quarterback is a position of responsibility. So many lives depend upon you. It's not like any other position. And I said, you know, no one's saying you have to play until you're completely broken and hate no. the game of football. But no. the timing is very important, and nothing would have been lost by doing what you just said, which is put me on IR. Let me cool down just a bit and process this latest injury. Heck, let me go see a few more doctors and trainers, for God's sakes. Right. And, and then mm-hmm. we'll evaluate the, the rapidity of his exit from the game yeah, of football was, the- was stunning.
2: And let's talk about this. The, the, the injury that he has right now, no one was considering it a career-threatening injury. Uh, it was a frustrating rehab that he's going through, and it wasn't progressing. Uh, there may be more that comes out about it down the road. Who knows? But everybody, from what I've heard, has said it's basically a high ankle sprain. Those things do take a long time before they're, they're fully healed. And, and the frustration got to him. Well, remember now, people talk about his shoulder as well. How did he hurt that shoulder? He hurt it skiing, snowboarding. snowboarding. Okay, it was not they talk about how he was beat up yeah. and all these things that happened to him <laughs> while he was playing. His worst injury was snowboarding during the off season. I know whose fault is that? That's not that's not the Colts organization's fault for for getting him beat up. He did that himself, and the truth didn't come out for a year. And and the bottom line, and I'm not I'm not condemning Andrew Luck. I'm just saying that there were a lot of factors that people aren't thinking about that, in my opinion, he had, and he uses a great word, responsibility. I think he had the responsibility to try to do it in the way that was most um, fair to the organization. Yeah. And if he goes on injury reserve and retires midseason or retires after the year, no problem whatsoever with that. I just think you can't announce it going into the season you know, right before or right after your third preseason game. I don't think it's fair
0: to the team. All right. Exit question, 60 seconds or less. This is your first fall not on TV for CBS. You did it for 15 years. Yeah. Um, uh, It was tough to see the Turk come, although this is the way the business works. Uh, What are you doing now, and what do you want to do?
2: Well, you know, it it was crusher, and and, uh, I I really – And disappointed about it, I, I really believe that I'm, I'm meant to be a, a television commentator in the NFL. And uh, for whatever reason, CBS didn't feel that way. I'm, I'm grateful for the years I had with them. Uh, I'm still doing my Monday NFL QB show with them uh, during the season with Rich Cannon and Trent Green and Adam Shine. So. Looking forward to that, um, but but I, I'm looking for opportunities and uh, trying to find other ways to, to remain relevant in the game, and hopefully I'll get a chance to, to call games again, because that's what I love
0: doing. Good. I enjoyed the conversation, so hopefully we can do it again, and I know you'll land on your feet. Steve, thanks for your time, as always. You got it, Dave. Take care. All right, that's going to be a wrap for today. Tomorrow, the first of 17 glorious football five ways Friday. We are going to have a great time. You are looking live. Mr. X, Charge with Fantasy, College Football, and a fifth segment. I'm just going to leave under wraps for right now we're up to 23 people saying by the van thank you for your support of the podcast and subscribing to premium i do appreciate it we're going to get there only 77 more to go as far as the yearly subscription my man chris broussard the ninja of the internet and of podcasting is still working on a few kinks i've got to talk to him tonight to try to sort that out so just bear with me on that When we do make that that yearly offering, we're going to refund or prorate any current subscriptions made through the Libsyn app and with your credit card. So don't worry about that. We will get to it. All right. Enjoy Packers Bears tonight. Enjoy Lord Football's return. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.